Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves. Believe it or not, I am still running on fumes. My body has still not adjusted to the new schedule, but we are here. The hottest new tag team on Friday Night SmackDown, myself and KP, Kevin Patrick. KP, I'm leaning on you this week, man. I'm still out of gas. What's going on? Oh, I'm good, buddy. How are you keeping? I mean, what a joy it was to be alongside Michael Cole on the commentary desk and you, two of the greats of all time. And I'm sitting there in the middle, one happy camper. And I love the experience. I must say it was, a, it was a brilliant show. Loads of fun. We were done at 8 p.m. Are you joking yeah. me? Calgary, Alberta time? I wasn't entirely certain even when we were there uh, that I had never been to Calgary. And I looked back and I believe it was my first experience there. Absolute nightmare getting there. Travel got messed up Thursday, flew in Friday morning. I was running on empty when I arrived at the Saddle Dome, the historic Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Uh, but what a nice city, man. What a great way to kick things off and a hell of a night. As I mentioned last week, and my opinion remains the same, Jimmy Uso still a piece of human garbage. Despite his explanation, I guess I sort of, in a weird backhanded way, understood what he was going for, claiming he didn't want Jay to become a new Roman Reigns, a tyrannical tribal chief. Uh, but the last we saw of Jay Uso on Friday night, SmackDown, KP, adios, see you, bye. Jay Uso, MIA. It's an abusive relationship. And at some point, you've got to walk away. At some point, you've got to say, deuces, I'm done. I'm not dealing with this BS anymore. And that was the case for Jay. You could see it in his eyes. There was nearly a sense of relief, like a weight lifted off his shoulders. Be like, I'm done with you guys. I'm done with the bloodline. And I'm done with WWE. I'm out. As he walks through the crowd, it was a stunning end. And even you on commentary was like, wait, did Cole, did he just say, I'm done with WWE? And now bring on tonight because I haven't got a Scooby-Doo how this is going to play out, man. We've just got to see, you know, what happens. It's kind of exciting, yet it's kind of scary in a way, too, because I don't want Jay to leave. Man, deuces, ooses. And if we've learned anything from the bloodline in all of its constant evolution, it's just when you think you figure out where the story is going to go, they change the proverbial questions. Rather than sitting here and speculating, let's just let it all play out. There's a lot to talk about on Friday Night SmackDown, our new home, uh, our first night, my first night back, your first night on Friday Night SmackDown. No shortage of big events, things to talk about. Uh, our guest who's going to be joining us here on ATB in just a matter of time, now the former United States champion, Austin Theory, of course, being dethroned by none other than Rey Mysterio. Uh, you had the Hall of Famer Edge make a match that's going down tonight against the Celtic warrior Seamus. Uh, pick something, KP. Where do you want to jump off, man? I mean, let's, not, let's not gloss over that. The Hall of Famer Edge returning in Canada, Calgary, Alberta. The place went absolutely bonkers. And then he calls out Seamus. And, and this was such a rare moment that I'm not used to seeing as a commentator on the desk, right? This kind of lovable moment with a fellow like Seamus. And then the words at the end being like, hope you didn't make a mistake. As if to say, like, I'm going to destroy you, old pal. You know, but for Edge, look, there, there are rumors circulating online that this could be Edge's last match in WWE. No idea if that's true or not. I hope it's not because I love 
having Edge around the place. I love having him in our TVL, our locker room, having a guy like Rey Mysterio and Edge walking in and the conversations that we all have and, and that I'm privy to just sitting there, you know, as you engage with the likes of Edge and, and Ray, it's a joy, man. So I, I certainly hope it's not the case for Edge, but if it is, what a career. Oh, no doubt about it. And I, I hate to speculate and I try to do my best not to. Obviously, all of this uh, involves people high above our pay grade. I'm not involved in the the day-to-day, the contractual things going on. I don't know how that works. All I know is I am grateful, as I know you are, to be back in the presence of our friend Adam to sit beneath the learning tree now on Fridays, as we did so often on Mondays. And the same can be said for Rey Mysterio sitting in the TV locker room around two legends simultaneously edge and Ray. I mean, two of the nicest guys in the world too. And night light lifetimes worth of knowledge between those two superstars. And, and it's weird because it's so easy to get caught up in the bubble and the grind and the travel and the day to day, week to week, different city, different city to realize we are in the midst of two of the greatest superstars to ever grace a ring. And we have them both at our disposal on Fridays. The WWE universe gets to enjoy them. Perhaps in the twilights of their careers, although I would never bet money on either case because Rey Mysterio seems to age in reverse. He's like (laughs) Benjamin Button. And Edge at this rate might be 75, 76 years old with a long gray lightning stricken beard still kicking people's asses because that's just what the the rated R superstar does. Uh, I can't wait to see what he and Sheamus do since Edge has returned to WWE this entire last run. Every time he steps in the ring, you can bet money it's going to be special. I actually want to talk to to Theory about that because Theory had the honor of stepping into the ring with Edge on multiple occasions and I'm sure picked up a few things along the way. Uh, but, But Rey Mysterio coming out of nowhere. Santos Escobar goes down with injury courtesy of the then United States champion Austin Theory. And now, again, Rey Mysterio, United States champion on Friday Night SmackDown. I don't think anybody saw things playing out this way, but KP... I don't think I've seen nor heard anybody complain about how things played out on Friday. Isn't that the crazy thing about Ray? I mean, Ray Mysterio, everybody is willing him and urging him and they're booing his son, Dominic, every week on Raw. And yet on SmackDown, Ray shows up and he's just the most loved fella in the arena, bar none. And he becomes a three-time United States champion, taking out Austin Theory. And, and Theory's reign had been in existence since last November. So to take out Austin Theory, who had beaten an awful lot of legends, as you mentioned along the way, congrats to Ray. I'm excited to have Ray as champion on SmackDown now, bud. I am as well. I'm, I'm excited to have Ray around in any way, shape, or form. And Ray is a guy who has become a friend, obviously one of my favorites as a fan. Have, I, I challenge you to find anybody who has as much global respect as Ray Mysterio. And it's funny that at this point, I was actually laying in bed last night thinking, letting my mind wander as it does, uh, having just finished watching NXT. And I was thinking about Ray Mysterio again. And, and it dawned on me that this may sound a little crazy, but as far as quote unquote normal society, reality in which we live, or, or whatever version of reality you choose to subscribe to these days, Ray Mysterio might be the closest thing that mankind has to a real-life superhero right now. And it's taken decades of constant work, but the connection that Ray has with the WWE Universe and beyond, Ray has become a star that has transcended WWE. Ray is, I would dare say, bigger than the sports entertainment business. Think of the iconic status he holds in Mexico. I mean, Ray is is flirting with the, the same rarefied air that El Santo 
breeds. And I'm sure Ray would downplay that until, until he was blue in the face because Ray is such a respectful guy. And because said, he's that superhero, what would a superhero do? They downplay that. Exa- well, I mean, El Santo in Mexico was essentially a superhero. I mean, that, he had movies made Santo versus Frankenstein, I believe is a real thing, like crazy status as a, as a superhero. But Ray has done it on a global scale where while he's a God in Mexico, he's also kind of a deity in the United States and Canada and Europe and Japan and anywhere Rey Mysterio steps foot. And here's a guy who in this day and age in 2023, it's next to impossible to find someone who doesn't have at least a few skeletons in their closet or a few people who've got some negative things to say about their experience along the way. Ray is that guy. I've been in WWE for almost 12 years now. And of course I followed Ray before that Ray doesn't have like any crazy baggage or, or, you know, uh, controversies that follow him around and to do what he's done at his level for as long as he has is almost unheard of. He's approaching like Derek Jeter, like, uh, Hey, the captain, I'm sure Jeter lived a life. Jeter has done some things in his day that he's not incredibly proud of, but his image has been so carefully cultivated and Ray just has this connection with adults, with kids. You said it yourself in the Saddle Dome in Calgary. When Ray won, everybody was up out of their seats. Everybody, not just the kids, not just the women, not just some fraction of the men in the crowd. Everybody was happy. And, and Ray looks, I mean, the color, the colors and the legendary mask. He looks like a superhero. And you feel like you connect with Ray, the man. And you mentioned Dominic a few minutes ago, and it makes me laugh, but it kind of illustrates my point. That Dominic turning his back on Ray skyrocketed Dom into being the most detested superstar on WWE TV right now, bar none, just by turning his back on his dad. And and he's tried to explain it away a few times, but that's the level of love and respect the sports entertainment industry and beyond has for Rey Mysterio. And, And I just think it's important that we realize this. Uh, much like Edge, that we're in the presence of greatness. We are experiencing Hall of Fame greatness night after night. There's two active Hall of Famers, which in and of itself is kind of wild, that they're both able to do what they're doing at the high level that they are. But I just think it should be appreciated a little more in a way that's maybe different or bigger than this is my favorite WWE superstar, or this is the best wrestler in the business, or this guy cuts the best promo, or this guy has the best gear, whatever. Ray is this complete package that I think will, I think, and I believe will continue to inspire generations much like an El Santo or those who, those legendary luchadors who came before Ray, but on a bigger scale. Sorry. I was, I was just rolling there. (laughs) It's not just luchadors either. As you mentioned, look, uh, I'm covering a lot of soccer, as you know, and I'm doing a game last night, Monterrey from Mexico. The entire crowd was full of luchador masks. I mean, and every time I work with someone and, and chat with people from Mexico, like, yeah, you're WWE. And you know Rey Mysterio? And, and Mysterio? And you're like, yes, yes, I do. And he's he's the greatest guy on the planet. Like he, he legitimately is a gem of a human being that, like you say, there's nothing about Rey that you can find, nothing negative. So then you also chat with younger superstars, both male and female. We've had the likes of Roxanne Perez on the show. We've had Zoe Stark on the show. They'll go out of their way to talk about Rey Mysterio. And it's not like they're modeling their style on Rey. It's just that they've maybe taken one small thing from Rey's game and saying, I'm going to try and adopt that into what I can do going forward. It's just incredible, the the ripple effect, the domino effect that Rey is going to have for an awful long time to come. 
and as not to betray the sanctity of our post raw or now SmackDown uh, beverage sessions with some of the, the uh, inner circle here at WWE, we were privy to a conversation a few weeks back where one of our producers uh, said that Ray was his pick for the greatest of all time. Yes. And at the moment I went, I never really looked at it like that, but then I've been thinking about it. It's probably why it, it took a week. I'm, my brain is on about a one week lag before <laughs> I actually can register anything that I'm, I'm saying. Um, and and I, as I was laying there, I went, you know what? Maybe there is a little credence to that statement and, and let me think of why. And, and now the more and more I think about it, I think Ray definitely has to be in that conversation. So yes, it is thrilling to be back on Friday night SmackDown with the greatest in Michael Cole. With the Hall of Famer Edge, who who seems to be in the twilight, and we need to enjoy him while he's still here. And the same has to be said for the new United States champion, Rey Mysterio. We could sit here and go, well, that, that seems weird. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He doesn't age. He could be United States champion for another 15 years. I don't think anybody would complain. We are so blessed to have Edge and Rey Mysterio in our lives, KP. What and Shamo, Shamo, do me a favor. Just go easy on Edge. Nah, I don't know about that. We love it. Just go easy on him. And do us also another favor. Invite Gravy and I out for that point to Guinness if you get the victory. Or if, Edge, you get the win, that Petey, Scotch. I know you'd fancy a chair at that, uh, at that so, Friday. Hey, someone's, someone's buying our beverages on Friday night. That's all I know, KP. Uh, someone who, who has purchased a few beverages for us in the past, and I miss dearly as we were talking about our transition from... Monday Night Raw to Friday Night SmackDown. What I miss most of all, especially watching from my couch this past week, Imperium, KP. Imperium continued to reign supreme on Monday Night Raw. The ring general, Gunther, still looks unstoppable. We're witnessing the evolution of Ludwig Kaiser, uh, the, the interaction in the ring. We heard from Gunther at length. And then Ludwig followed up. And we had the interaction with Maxine where she slapped the taste out of Ludwig's mouth. Oh, and then Giovanni Vinci got to remind everybody what he's capable of. And I got a lot of attention. We got a lot of attention on the podcast last week for talking about how Ludwig Kaiser has main event potential. And I do not mean to say that in any way to, to denigrate Giovanni Vinci, because Vinci is a guy I think that has breakout potential as well. Arguably one of the strongest members of the roster. And we don't get to see it frequently enough, but if you followed uh, Vinci in NXT or even prior to his arrival in WWE, the guy's a freak as far as power and athleticism. Uh, I liked what he was doing with the, the sort of character tweaks in NXT before Imperium reunited. I think it's a matter of time, but you've got three genuine studs in Imperium who can carry a segment, a match, a championship, in my opinion, at just about any time. But what we saw Monday, KP, was... Imperium, not the only faction right now that has the rocket on their proverbial backs, uh, much like Alpha Academy. Big back there. The very big back. Lots of back. So many back. <laughs> lots, lots of backs between Alpha Academy. Obviously, with the addition of Maxine, we saw Gable mix it up with Giovanni Vinci. Incredible. Gable looks poised right now to have as good of a shot at dethroning Gunther as anybody to this point has. And it's it's been very organic. We talked to the Alphas a few weeks ago uh, about about the the momentum the WWE universe is generating behind them on that grassroots level. Oh, we like these guys. Oh, we haven't seen them featured. And every time we get a glimpse, we want more. And they've parlayed it into this position that Gable now finds himself waiting for an Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther would then proceed to battle Otis 
on Monday Night Raw. And this, in the entire three-hour Monday Night Raw, KP, I sent you a text. I sent our producer, Alex, a text. I said, I can't wait to talk about this on Monday because there was about a 60 to 90-second stretch of that matchup where it was as real as real gets in any way, shape, or form. Gunther and Otis were dropping bombs on one another back and forth, and neither man could get the upper hand. And what I took away from it was how easily we forget what a bad son of a bitch Otis is as a human being. He's so entertaining. He's so disarming. He's silly. He's over the top. But Otis has amateur wrestling accolades that will make anyone blush. He is a terrifyingly strong human being. You've been around him. I don't know if you've ever gotten around Doze when he gets a little wound up and he just grabs you and you feel like a, a dinosaur or something just, just grabbed a hold of you. The guy is a freak. And to watch him and Gunther go back and forth, I think it may have opened the eyes of a lot of the WWE fans that, oh yeah, we are entertained to death by Otis, but he's a dangerous, dangerous man. Two diametrically opposed superstars that can do and accomplish the same things, right? Like just that feel. And, and I didn't know what you meant when you, when you mentioned something in your text and I'm like, wait, does that mean Gravy's enjoying this? He's not enjoying it. He's intrigued by it. I loved it. I, I was in a hotel room at the time and I'm watching it. And I'm like, this is just fun because Gunther's clearly getting so pissed off being in the ring with someone who disrespects the mat like Otis does. Yet Otis could kick his ass. You know, he's that sort of a fella. Right, and, and I don't know the last time we saw uh, Gunther retreat in that manner. I mean, we saw it a few times from Drew McIntyre, but Otis, when he was throwing those Vader punches, lefts and rights, just like a barrage, and impressively quick as well. You you forget at 330-something pounds how fast Otis is. He's a true uh, anomaly of an athlete, which is how he arrived in WWE to begin with. And the character side of things, the entertainment Otis has excelled at for quite some time. But I thought it was really cool. And it only happened, like I said, for about 60 seconds as the match started to wrap up. And they were just letting them fly clotheslines and forearms and just back and forth like two guys swinging Louisville sluggers at one another. It was ugly. It was brutal. And that's what I love. Gravy, you talked about Ludwig Kaiser and being a main event player in time to come. If there was ever a time for Chad Gable, it feels like now, doesn't it? To be that guy. I would agree with that. Feel free to elaborate. I I agree with that. Yeah, I just feel Chad Gable's at a point where the audience, the WWE universe, everyone is behind what the Alpha Academy are doing right now. He's completely and utterly comfortable within his own skin, right? We had him on the podcast. Folks, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that show, go and listen back to Chad Gable talking about the entertainment side of the Alpha Academy. The guy's a freaking Olympian. Like the, the guy can, can German anybody, you know, like Northern Lights suplex anybody. I mean, he's just unbelievable what, what he can do for his height and his size in the ring. And I just feel that he's, he's been able to capture the imagination of everybody watching, given that comfort within his own skin. And if ever there's a time for Chad Gable to be that main event player, be that intercontinental champion, I think the time is now. I can't disagree with you, KP. One thing I know for certain is when the match finally goes down, when Gunther and Gable finally lock horns, there is one winner. I can guarantee the WWE universe as a whole, because those two have the capability of creating absolute magic. You know what a fan I am of Gunther. You know, I wax poetic each and every time the ring general steps into the ring. But now you've got almost a genuine real life Rocky versus Drago situation surrounding the Intercontinental Champion, right? And who who's not going to root for the underdog 
Chad Gable, the underdog United States Olympian, Chad Gable. But that is how dominant Gunther has been, such that he freaking powerbombed Otis, KP. Powerbombed Otis. After Otis dropped about 23 live rounds on either side of Gunther's skull, Gunther rallied and powerbombed Otis. Let me say it again for you, KP. Say it with please me. Please do. Please do. Power bombed Otis. <laughs> One of the things stood out on Monday Night Raw Gravy, Trish Stratus, while we're talking Hall of Famers, and Becky Lynch headed to a steel cage match. Adam Pierce had enough. These two went brawling up amongst the crowd, up into the rafters, and it's going to a steel cage match. Finally, thank you, Adam Pierce. Enough is always stark interfering. Put these two in a cage and let them settle their differences once and for all. You are on probation for the rest of this episode, KP. You are on probation because you thanked Adam Pierce when we should be saying thank you, Trish. Dude, bring all your posters. Take them off the wall. Bring them in. Show us all the posters backstage. We know you've got every single magazine cover as well. All 110 magazine covers of Trish status, you've got them covered. You know what, KP? That's my business. That's none of yours. (laughs) But luckily, while you're on probation, KP, you can, you can, Slip back into cruise control for a few moments at least because it is my honor at this time to introduce to After the Bell the now former United States champion. He is Austin Theory. Theory, welcome to After the Bell. Always an honor to have you join us. And first things first, I personally, on behalf of no one but myself, would like to offer my condolences to you for losing your United States championship to Rey Mysterio after a stunning 258-day reign as, in my opinion, the greatest United States champion in recent history. Thank you, man. You know, it, uh, it's been a journey. It's been a big journey. But, uh, yeah, look at that whole situation, you know? Like, look at that, you know, all the wins and, and all the time that I had as the United States champion. And, I could have taken a break, you know, Friday and not face Santos Escobar, but I was ready. I was, you know, up there ready for the challenge. And look what happened. We get Rey Mysterio. What's up with that? Listen, I, I, I sympathize with you. I felt for you on the commentary table. I was the only one seeing what actually played out and how you, a consummate pro, prepared as you would for Santos Escobar. And, and after Escobar was unable to compete, due to a, a mysterious knee injury. Ray Mysterio, a freaking Hall of Famer, is your surprise replacement. You, How is that stop? fair? Would you listen to yourself, Gravy? Would you listen to what you're saying? Look, Terry, with all due respect, man, you make your own bed. You took out the knee of Santos Escobar. What did you expect? Hey, that's the man that was supposed to face me, and it's, it's my problem that his knee hurts. How many times do you think my knees hurt? My elbows hurt. My shoulders hurt. You know, my lower back but look what I did. I beat John Cena. I beat Edge. I beat Seth freaking Rollins. You know, I'm, I'm prepared for these things. But, you know, when you do stuff like that, to me, that's disrespectful. You know, like Adam Pierce just making random matches, you know, especially against Rey Mysterio, somebody that I've already beaten, you know. And most people, you know what, they would have stepped aside and they would have took a break. But I stepped up to the challenge. But I was not prepared for that challenge. But I can own that, you know, but going forward, this is definitely going to get dealt with. So, Theory, how do you deal with all the doubters, all the naysayers? 
the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. You're, you're a guy who has shown up in, in a short time, a relatively short time in WWE. You've made a lot of waves. You've made a lot of history. You've been United States champion. You've been Mr. Money in the Bank. Yet for some reason, uh, and I'll actually take us back to WrestleMania, you've got like a John Cena type who says he doesn't buy it. He doesn't believe. A lot of the fans echo those same sentiments. How do you deal with that? And, and how do you plan on making believers out of the WWE universe? To me, it's, uh, it's almost crazy being told uh, that, you know, I don't believe in myself when clearly, you know, let's use John, for example. I seen John Cena. He was in the middle of the ring on Raw. And look where I am. I got to Monday Night Raw. I'm on SmackDown now. How are you going to tell me that I didn't believe in myself? Who is 26 years old that's done the things that I've done in the WWE? And people always have something to say. I mean, let's take it back to, you know, the money in the bank contract. When I lost that, my career was over. And then look what I did. I had the greatest United States championship run of all time. And if I decide to go grab that title again, then I will. But maybe I'm focused on the head of the table. Maybe the workhorse, Seth Rollins, you know, it's that's a funny one, too, you know, calling him the workhorse. But look how many, you know times I've defended the United States championship. Look up how many matches Austin Theory has had in 2023. I'm sure it's more than Seth Rollins, but those are the things that people don't want to realize because they know how great I am. And all they can do is go, you know, repost something and write a little caption that doesn't make any damn sense because they know how good I am. And they're going to have to deal with it because I'm running this whole damn thing. It is what it is. You know, I, I got to give you some praise here because when you talk about those legends, listen to some of these names that you beat in those 258 days as United States champion, Seth freaking Rollins, Bobby Lashley, the almighty, John Cena at WrestleMania, Edge, a WWE Hall of Famer, Sheamus, a surefire Hall of Famer down the road, and Damian Priest, the punishment within the Judgment Day. Those are just some of the names that you happen to defeat along the way. So there is definitely, you know, a lot of... A lot of truth to what you're saying here. Give the man his flowers, KP. Give Austin Theory his flowers. It's okay. He's a freak athlete. He's a young stud. He's going to be one of the faces that carry this place into the future. It's okay to be nice to Theory, KP. You hater. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, Theory. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. Don't apologize. Don't apologize. Is there something, though, for you, albeit, look, a brilliant title run as United States champion, that you might enjoy being the hunter as opposed to the hunted now without that title. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's exciting because it's a restart, you know, and having, you know, all the achievements and the skills and the accolades that I do have, now I get to use these going forward. And that's, like I said, if I want to become a three-time United States champion or, you know, go after the Universal Championship, and then there's the new World Heavyweight Championship that uh, Seth Rollins has. And, you know, I'm no stranger to Seth Rollins. He knows that. He's just checking all the boxes, KP. We are we are in the second or third inning of this this tenure. Uh, I think we're just getting started. But theory, I got to ask you this. I mean, let's take it back. We're at WrestleMania. You defeat John Cena at WrestleMania. Yes, I keep repeating it ad nauseum, but it's because it's an incredible feat that only a handful of people will ever have the the honor of being able to to, to put on their resume. Things seem to be coming up. Austin Theory left and right. Eventually, you get traded to Friday Night SmackDown or drafted by Friday Night SmackDown. And I don't think I'm out of line saying that it feels like the momentum slowed a little bit. I don't want to say it stalled altogether. In your opinion, why is that? 
Or am I just imagining things? Am I not seeing the whole picture as theory sees it right now? I think for myself, uh, as long as I've had that United States championship, whether it came to, you know, being at TV uh, or, you know, a premium live event or actual live events, um, I've always, you know, showed up and did exactly what I needed to do. And I've always, you know, put everything that I have of myself into what I'm doing. So for me, you know, I've constantly been working since WrestleMania. Things don't feel like they've slowed down for me. I feel like I've been at it. And sure, maybe from an outside eye, people see things differently. But for me, I'm, I'm just going, you know, I'm like a rocket. I'm still shooting up. Speak to that a little bit more. Talk about the responsibilities that come with being a champion in WWE, something you become familiar with. But obviously the WWE universe sees you on Monday nights or Friday nights or the occasional Saturday or wherever you may be as promoted by WWE. But there's a lot more that goes into being a superstar, let alone a champion. Talk to talk to people about that. that they, they may not realize. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, something you got to step up to the plate for, you know, being places when maybe you had things planned, but you got to be there. Uh, a lot of shows, uh, just a lot of appearances and stuff like that. But, you know, when you're in a position for me, uh, you know, I, I get there's a lot going on on SmackDown and there's a lot of, you know, stories and things like that. But the nature to this game is being patient. And, you know, I take everything that I want, but I know from being an eight-year-old kid that was inspired to be a WWE superstar, I knew at eight, just because I wanted to do it, I, I couldn't just already be there. It's patience. It's taking your time. And, you know, people call me cocky. You know, you can call me arrogant, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I know how to play this game. And that's exactly what it is. And to be honest with you, when I am the universal champion, people aren't going to talk about this. Because I remember, you know, when I had the money in the bank, man, this guy, all he does is lose. When's the last time I lost? I just lost, right? That's crazy. But it's just, it's the way it goes. And I feel like, honestly, as long as people are talking about me and they got something to say, well, Austin Theory is going to show up all day. Theory, you've had a wild few years, though. All things considered, from being that eight-year-old boy wanting this dream and going and achieving it, you called it inevitable when you were here on After the Bell with us before. But since WrestleMania, as Gravy touched on, what have you learned about yourself in the past few months and your growth as a WWE superstar? Honestly, uh, just being more myself and, and really trusting uh, when I feel like something's right and I'm not trying to get too many opinions and, I, and I'm not confusing myself. Honestly, when I feel it right here, I got to go for it. And that's something that I've realized a lot lately. That's so true. We were talking before you joined the show about uh, WWE Hall of Famer Edge, who will be competing tonight as this is released against the Celtic Warriors, Sheamus on SmackDown. Edge is a superstar. You've had a chance to mix it up with a few times. And as we've talked about several times on this show, you grew up a fan. Much like a John Cena scenario, you faced Cena at WrestleMania. You've been in the ring on multiple occasions now with the Rated R Superstar. What was that like for you at the time? And now that it's sort of in the rearview mirror, at least temporarily, what are some things you learned by being in the ring with Edge? For me, uh, Edge is honestly right there next to John Cena for me. Because, you know, anytime you watch a show uh, that you're invested in, I guess especially as a kid, you know, you can have a really good, good guy, but you got to have a really good bad guy. And Edge was always, you know, that Joker to that Batman. And it was somebody that I, you know, I loved to watch. And as much as I didn't like him, I was so into, you know, what he was going to do next. Um, but getting that opportunity to, you know, be in the ring with him and uh, how quick everything kind of happened, you know, the night before 
it was the first time uh, the United States championship was defended in the elimination chamber. And I did that. And then immediately after that, I defended uh, the title against edge on Monday night raw. And I remember standing in the ring and just hearing the, you know, you think, you know, me, and it hit me like with chills, like me and edge are about to go to war, you know, and this is eight year old me in there. Like I got to fight the bad guy. But then I was like, Oh, I guess, uh, I guess people think I'm the bad guy though. But um, it's very cool. And, uh, you know, learning things from him, you know, again, just trusting in yourself and really just going out there and owning it. And that's exactly how I felt when I faced Edge. And that's exactly why I beat him. You guys have had a very similar path, right? Like, I know you just turned 26 this month, Terry. But when you think about Edge's career and coming up in Orangeville and alongside Christian and the path that they had, that you were a fan watching the entire time. And you think about some of the sides of Edge that we've seen, whether it's like that psycho or the, the ladies man, there's an awful lot that's similar to what we see with you now. So has he conditioned in many ways who you are today? Uh, I would say there's definitely some influences. I think uh, you definitely uh, take little pieces of uh, people that really, you know, make a mark on your life. And, you know, it was definitely Cena. It was definitely Edge. Uh, I can even add in uh, Randy Orton. Um, Those three uh, especially were, you know, they just kind of, if you kind of look at me, there's a little bit of all that going on, you know, especially the legend killer, you know, big Randy guy here. While, while we're talking about legends, I, I know this could be tough for you with the timing and everything, but Rey Mysterio, the man who defeated you for the United States Championship, if you can slip back into your eight-year-old mindset or, or, or compare to what it's like to be in the ring competing against Rey Mysterio, what is it, in your opinion, that makes Rey Mysterio so special? Uh, I, I, you know, a, th- a thing I thought about the other day, right, is, you know, Rey's not the tallest guy. Um, he's not the biggest guy. And just how it doesn't matter who he gets in the ring with, you know, look at me. I mean, I'm 26. I work out every single day. I've been working out since I was 12. I get in there with Ray Mysterio. I got to be on 10. I got to be ready. Doesn't matter who he's in there with. You got to be ready. That's Ray freaking Mysterio. And I kind of see why, you know, he stepped up because, you know, it hurt his feelings though. He's a little jealous because I beat him right after WrestleMania. I mean, that victory, on Ray, I, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, I just beat John Cena, you know, I'm a little sore, but you know, I'll beat another legend. And, and that's where my mindset was. And then maybe I was a little too relaxed on SmackDown when that happened. I still think, you know, that was a screw job, but it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it's Ray freaking Mysterio, you know, he's been the world heavyweight champion. He's been the WWE champion. He's the United States champion, whatever. But yeah, I mean, if anybody was going to beat me, I mean, it would have to be somebody like that because nobody can really beat Austin Theory. In the event that you lose in extremely controversial fashion, it's fitting that it is one of the all-time greats that we currently are lucky enough to still have around. Do you have that ability to step back ever? I know you're on the grind constantly, right? That's the nature of being a WWE superstar, particularly toward the top of the mountain where you sit. Are you able to ever step back or sit down on your couch at home and and really appreciate the moments. Yes, I just beat John Cena. Not not from a Austin Theory brash young superstar that we see and that the WWE universe knows. As a human being, are you a- able to step back and savor those moments after they happen, or are you still nose to the grindstone constantly? Uh, I've always, you know, since I was 12, since I started working out, I was always, you know, nose to the grind, always going after it. But 
man, I definitely sit back and release myself and let myself enjoy what's going on. And I feel like that's one of the uh, worst things I could do is, you know, fall all into this and forget about that part. Because at the end of the day, that's what gives me that real motivation and that real inspiration. And uh, something crazy, like, you know, even the John Cena match, something that I even thought of is like, wow, it is full circle. Like, this is who I, you know, idolized and I faced him at WrestleMania out of all shows. But something else uh, that I noticed just by stepping back, like you were talking about, my little brother was at uh, WrestleMania when I faced John Cena. Um, I have two little brothers, but the littlest one, Gabriel, uh, he's like 11 now. But when I was six, uh, when I was living back in Georgia, he would go to the wrestling school with me and we would have full matches. And like the kid could walk on the top rope and hit a Rana on me, do all this stuff, hit backflips, dives. But uh, that moment I kind of, you know, thought about this kid went from, you know, my little brother going from wrestling me when he was six, uh, just in a, like a random kind of building, just like warehouse building to seeing me wrestle John Cena at WrestleMania. And like my little brother got to see that. And for me, it's like, if there's anything you could ever do to like inspire, you know, your little brothers or your sisters or, you know, somebody younger than, you know, younger than you that you care about. It's like, man, like it's kind of hard for me to say, cause it makes me emotional. Like it's so, it's so cool to be able to do that, you know? And it's like, man, like now he sees that, like he's seen that I wanted this and like, I did it. And now he has that at 11 years old being in school right now. Like he knows that. You know, it's really wild hearing you tell that story. It, it reminds me of my brother and I, except the roles are reversed. I mean, I obviously have had a pretty successful run here in WWE, but as a competitor, my younger brother just headlined uh, a major event, one of the biggest shows of the year in Mexico. And when we were kids, he was the one that was getting onto eBay and ordering Mexican wrestling figures and all this Lucha Libre stuff. And, and to see him do almost exactly what you did, where he called his shot. And it wasn't necessarily WrestleMania. He has always been captivated by the international stuff more so. And he, and he just did that. But I understand that level of pride, like saying, oh, man, I remember watching that journey and how, how proud it makes me. I can imagine how your little brother feels watching you mix it up with Cena at WrestleMania. That's really, really cool. When, when the human element of why we do what we do and why we put ourselves through this grind in this world that can be exhausting and difficult at times and frustrating. But when you get those little payoffs, those little moments, it's like, man, that's when it's important to step back and realize what you're in the middle of. And it's not just you. It's the people that have been with you every step of the journey. It's a really, really cool feeling. And on that note theory, you know, you talk about your younger brothers, your mom, right? I've read that she was the one dropping you to the gyms when you were 12 years of age. I know your, your, your uncle, who, who sadly passed this year, if I'm correct, earlier this year, played a huge role throughout your life, right? And growing up into the, to be the man that you are today and the wrestler that you are today as well. It, it takes a, a committee to take one forward when they're younger, right? Right. And I mean, that's, uh, it's cool too. Cause you know, even Cena told me at WrestleMania, he said, how crazy is this? You know, this is the, the biggest event that we have and you're going to be able to go out there and see your family and enjoy and have no stress on your mind. And I remember just walking into that. I was just so excited and, you know, confident, ready to just let my family see me, you know, wrestle the biggest match of my career to date. Absolutely awesome, man. Well, obviously, as we look at you in your, your setting currently, I noticed the background's a little different than the last time we <laughs> chatted here on ATB. And a little birdie told me that Austin Theory used that nice WrestleMania payday and may have bought himself a little real estate. 
we got a little real estate now. I got a house now. So it's pretty cool. You know, you gotta, you gotta have the little pool out here in Florida. It gets hot. So, uh, but yeah, man, I got a little office going on. You can see a little bit of the stuff. Uh, a lot of it's like, uh, like horror movie memorabilia, but, uh, I got like a life-size Arnold standing in front of me from Terminator. Can't show you guys. So this that, is fantastic. Though. This is why we have YouTube now, because now in order to really appreciate theories space, you have to watch ATB on YouTube. Got the, the Jeepers Creepers movie poster behind you. Did you just say life size Arnold statue? It's, it's standing there. Yeah, it's just looking at me while I do this. Where's T-1000? Where's the Robert Patrick character coming after him? I was thinking about getting that one for you, man. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll get that sense of your house. Hey, KP, when you're Austin Theory, you don't need T-1000, okay? You take down the Terminator on your own. That's what I'm saying, well, dude. Said. Come on. What have you not learned here today? How has your, uh, your decorating process been? Are you kind of just doing it piece by piece? You have some help with that? Or are you just kind of living your best life and, and making a massive man cave? Man, it, you know, I have to say when it comes to like, uh, you know, the memorabilia and statues and life-size Arnold's, you know, you, you don't really hire anybody for that. You kind of have to do it yourself. You know you what know? you want. You know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> what if, if you had to off the top of your head name, believe it or not, more insane than a life-size Arnold statue, what else you have in there that maybe we can't get eyes on right now? Or is what else do you need and what are you missing to complete the room? Well, if you, uh, if you go upstairs, I have an arcade and a theater that I'm working on. And I have a, uh, a life-size Iron Man. I have a life-size uh, Terminator, but it's just uh, uh, the endoskeleton. So it's pretty cool. Oh, nice. Uh, then we got a, uh, a life-size Jason Voorhees and a life-size Michael Myers. So it's pretty scary over here. You know, like Rey Mysterio wouldn't survive over here. It, this sounds like paradise to me. Like, I feel like from October through November, you should give tours of your home to, to the Halloween kids in the, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. Like, Hey, you know, thousand dollars each kid, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. Right? Let me, let me ask you this one theory, because we brought up something earlier on. Corey said that if there is one WWE superstar who is a genuine superhero, right out there amongst the world and beyond WWE, it's Rey Mysterio. Who would that be for you and why? If I was a superhero? No, if you had to pick one other WWE superstar, maybe it's Austin Theory that you I mean, pick dude, as I mean. the superhero beyond the realm of WWE. Who is it? Hmm, man. I'm putting you on the spot here now. Sorry, pal. You know, I, I mean, I'm really thinking of people's names, but all I see is Austin Theory, Austin Theory, Austin <laughs> Theory, you know? There it is. I think that's it, man. You know, I mean, right? We already, you know, we've already given Rey Mysterio enough here. So let's, let's tell the truth a little bit. I think it's me, man. Of course, naturally, KP. That was that was not a good question. question. That was that, that was, was not redundant. That was not good. I'm disappointed in you, KP. You got to bring better better questions to the game when you're talking to Austin Theory for the second time tonight. I'm sorry, <laughs> KP. Looks like he wants to come through the screen and punch me in the throat. <laughs> I'm sorry, bud. Look, Kevin. If you were going to be a superhero, what superhero would you be? I don't know, man. Is Jim from American Pie a superhero? <laughs> <laughs> that's you <laughs> we're, we're, we're heading off the tracks in short order I'm going to try to get us back on Theory you mentioned the arcade that you have upstairs What kind of games? you have the, ca- the full cabinets yet? Do you have any games you're working on? So I just got uh, two arcade one-ups I got the Simpson one And I got the, uh, the Terminator 2 one 
Okay, Simpsons is one of my one of my all time greats. No matter where the arcade is, if the Simpsons game is present, I will be playing it. That's it. Hey, Do you have, I don't I don't have the Terminator. Do you have any other favorites? Well, those are the only two that I have. That uh, I, I think you know everybody loves Pac Man. That's a great one. But uh, I'm interested in the Fast and Furious one. I wonder how that goes. I don't I don't know if I've ever played the Fast and Furious arcade game. I was I'm so old that there was the the Simpsons where Marge swung the vacuum cleaner and everybody had their own weapons. And basically the same game, but uh, the Ninja Turtles arcade game was always amazing. Right. Still one of my favorites. And, and WrestleFest, WWE WrestleFest. That, there's a, a place, an arcade not too far from me here in Pittsburgh who had it. And I, that's how I spent my birthday. My best friend and I and our wives stood behind us as we spent like 30 minutes and probably $30 just pumping quarters into this thing to win the Royal Rumble. You got a great wife, man. I do. Shout out Carmella. <laughs> what what else are you looking to add to the uh, to the estate? That's what it is. It's the Austin Theory estate. It's not a house. It's not a home. It's an estate. Man, uh, you know I. Uh, you ever seen those like huge Hulk statues? Yeah, like the like the life size ones. Yeah, dude. I don't know where I'd put it, but you know maybe in the front lawn. That, that might look pretty cool. Sounds crazy. I get it, Kevin. You're just going to put a big Hulk statue? You're not statue? that cool, Kevin. All right? I get it. I'm not cool, but you're going to put right. a big Hulk statue in your front garden? You got a problem with that? The HOA a would have a field day with that. <laughs> yeah. Look, I am the HOA, all right? Uh, oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> oh, the HOA Austin Theory. That just might be the most right villainous now. thing we could give you on television. Uh, why are you showing us Seamus? Should I, should I answer and tell him we're speaking to Austin Theory on After the Bell? Please, you should, because this is going to be interesting. <laughs> After I get up, I'll call him back. Oh, yeah. boo, I wanted to put him on the spot. You're, yeah. You're really blown Seamus' mind. Yeah, you could tell him that I've beaten him two times. He loves hearing that. <laughs> Shamo. How are you? I'm, I, I'm live right now on After the Bell with Austin Theory and Corey Graves, and they can hear you. Oh, they can, yeah. Yeah. What do you, you waste your time without bleeding uh, theory month before, huh? I know. I know. I think he did. It. Hey, 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 don't you? Hey, 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 shouldn't you be on Twitter right now? You know, talking about Gunther or something? <laughs> he says you should be on th- you should be on Twitter right now, Shamo. Talking about Gunther uh, or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's good crack there. That's how I pass the time now, you know? Just, just wrecking the head. I think we're setting up a future match here, Gravy. <laughs> Why not? That's what we do here on ATB. We speak Austin things into Terry existence. And Seamus. <laughs> nah, we've already we've already been there. Uh, we've done that already. Well, now, <laughs> Old news. Beating him twice. Yeah. Last, last week he bottled it. Did you ask him about that? We did. <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> he said you lost the title. You bottled it last week. Oh, he. I'm surprised he knows what a title is. I mean, when's the last time he had one? Uh, how did he do that? KP, you're being unprofessional. You're being disrespectful to our guest, Seamus. You're being disrespectful. I'll so see you Friday. I owe you a pint. And you're doing the MLS, and you're back doing the half the bell, and you're going back to SmackDown. We're gonna we're oh, gonna man, end up making a match here. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, it doesn't feel like you're from Rahini at all. It feels like you're from the Capper. Uh, What's point. he doing? Is he fair is point. he freestyling over there? What's going it's on? Right, I'll call you back in a sec. I'll let you go back to your mundane interview with Austin Dairy, right? Sounds good. Thanks, James. Hey, tell him. <laughs> yeah, he needs to go because I think Gunther just posted something on Twitter, so he needs to get out of here. <laughs> KP, I think you owe the, the the youngest United States champion in WWE yeah. history an apology third time. for cutting in to his time, to cutting into Austin Theory's interview time here on After the Bell, so you could fanboy with another Irishman. 
Yeah, that's what's that about, man? For the third time here today on After the Bell, my sincere apologies to you, Austin Theory. And now, now at this point, it seems like you're just being an actor. Wow. Are you an actor, KP? Wow. Is that why you disappeared for a little bit? You you went to go act. Wow. Then you came back. What's going on, man? I don't know if I want to see Austin Theory around Friday. I'm pretty scared. Just right don't. Now. Yeah, don't say I'm sorry ever again to me because we all know it's a lie. Going forward, we all know it's a lie. Corey, I you know it's a lie. Like I know it's a lie. We are confirming what here did on you say? I thought we were ATL friends. So this is what you need to do. Take your two hands, reach for the headphones, grab them, put them on the desk, walk out. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. He looks so good. Look at him, man. Nice haircut and everything. Look at that. He's great. on that Cena stuff. We can't see him anymore. Here we go. Yep. There it is. Be Love careful it. with that Cena stuff, man. You'll turn into a mermaid. <laughs> well, careful, since, since we have, you know, a little decorum here, Theory, before I let you go, I know you're a busy man. Uh, what is next for Austin Theory in the immediate future? Let's say maybe this Friday or the Friday following, not too far down the line. What's next for Theory? You know, I love when I'm asked what is next because everything is literally everything, anything that you could imagine. If I wanted the United States title again, I'll take it back. If I want to dethrone Roman Reigns since nobody can do it, I'll do that. Seth freaking Rollins. I'll beat the workhorse if I have to. Anything's possible, but I don't want to give away too much, but maybe you already did. That's all right. Hey, great, great magicians never reveal their tricks. Theory, where can the ATB faithful find you on social media? Uh, I'm definitely on Twitter as Austin Theory One, and then I'm on Instagram as Austin underscore Theory. And if it don't have the blue check on Instagram, it ain't me. And Twitter, I don't know what's going on on there. I guess it's called X or something now. That's kind of weird, but hey, it is what it is. Either way, make sure you're following Austin Theory along the journey. It's going to be fun, man. Thank you, as always, for your time and for hanging out. And I apologize again for Kevin Patrick. Unlike my partner, I promise my apologies are authentic. See, and that right there, that's I, you didn't even have to say authentic, man. Like, that was real. That is real. Like, that is reacting. That is not acting. And this guy over here, man, I'm just glad he's gone. That's great. <laughs> well, he'll be back on Friday night with me and Michael Cole ringside. And until then, make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB, official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday. Make sure you watch this one. You get to see Theory's Decor, that wonderful Jeepers Creepers poster. Maybe you'll get eyes on the Terminator. Maybe not. Uh, Either way, we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. Thanks, Theory. Theory, he's he's still always back. Oh, my gosh. Get out of here. You're like Michael Cole. Disgusting. Get out of here. Piece of trash. (laughs) 